helping them get involved in treatment, helping them learn how to make better decisions. We can do that in the community and be more effective than in prison and jail, and you can do it for much lower costs. There's renewed focus on criminal justice reform in Massachusetts thanks to provisions that passed last month in the state budget that make it easier for people to get reentry services in their communities. I'm Ben Foreman, and this is Gateways, a podcast about the people, places, and possibilities of our regional cities. This week, we're talking with Vin Laurenti, Director of the Office of Community Corrections at the Massachusetts Probation Service. Welcome, Vin. Hi, Ben. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. You and I have had lots of conversations over the years, but always in kind of the context of our criminal justice work. Absolutely. You know, here we're talking to a Gateway Cities audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we have been saying over and over again that criminal justice reform is particularly important to Gateway Cities. I know it's been mm-hmm. a national movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we think about doing corrections differently, and particularly thinking about the effect that using incarceration has on urban communities... Mm-hmm and how urban communities can play a role in helping people who come back home from prison find uh, a way to do things differently mm-hmm. and be successful personally and with their families. I mean, that that's your business. Yeah, You've absolutely. Made a, made a career of that, and I think you are kind of at the, the focal point for that running what yeah. we call community corrections. So you want to just give us a little background on what community corrections is and community corrections centers? Yeah, so the commu- the Office of Community Corrections, I won't, I you know, I tend sometimes to talk too much about the history, but I think it is important to, for a little bit of context. Um, the Office of Community Corrections was created in the mid-90s. It was part of the truth and sentencing movement. You know, at that time, there was a concern about prison overcrowding. Um, and as you know, if you don't learn your lessons of history, it often repeats our, itself. So, you know, here we are. 25 years later, and we're still working on this issue of making sure that our criminal justice system is getting good results um, that create better and safer communities and trying to rely less and less on prison and jail in order to get those outcomes. And so I think what we do with the Office of Community Corrections, uh, initially the idea was this idea of intermediate sanctions. It was provide an option that's um, more intensive than traditional probation supervision. It's also combining uh, treatment interventions like to address substance use disorder and, and help with education and employment and do that. Uh, and, and, and it's so it's more um, intensive than traditional probation, but it doesn't represent incarceration. And so our office has been doing that since about 1997, 1998. And with this recent spate of criminal justice reforms, what we're trying to do now is become more accessible um, and and do a little bit more because, as you said, especially, you know, a lot of communities in our state, gateway cities, what we want to do, what I think is important for criminal justice in order to be effective is we know the evidence and the research shows that you can impact people's lives that are involved in in the criminal justice system in a positive way by doing what's known as evidence-based practices, um, helping them get involved in treatment helping them learn how to make better decisions. We can do that in the community and be more effective than in prison and jail, and you can do it for much lower cost. So um, hopefully that's what our, our organization is about. Uh, part of the value system that I think we, we try to imbue in what we do is being both innovative and motivational around that and making sure, and, and when I, you know, so when I talk about evidence-based practice, that's really the innovation part. Do new things, do original things or, or interventions but make sure that they work, make sure they get the outcomes they're designed to get. Yeah, no, no, that's a good good beginning. You know, I think important context that people need to have is, you know, as we had this tough on crime movement and a lot of the policies we put in place 
reacted to headlines, but they didn't make people safer. Mm-hmm. And gateway cities bore the brunt of bad decisions that were made. Mm-hmm. And probation kind of represented some of that and, 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 and the fact that, you know, there was major scandal there. Mm-hmm. The agency wasn't functioning. And nobody really cared because it didn't particularly affect them. But it was particularly affecting our gateway cities. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, you guys have been at kind of the forefront of correcting for that and really putting together an agency, I think, that that does its best it can to perform. Yeah. I mean, there's there's still room for our improvement. I mean, I never look at what we're doing and say there's an end in sight. I think if you don't have the value of continually wanting to improve, then you're not really, you know, present and making a difference. But I hope that, you know, by working with communities and working with uh, other stakeholders in the criminal justice system, we are and 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 even non-traditional partners like like we're working with UMass Medical on fidelity monitoring and different kinds of things like that by doing those kinds of things hopefully we continue to get better because i i you know when i talk to people uh all kinds of stakeholders whether it's judges or probation officers or whoever i ask them why are you here <laughs> you know besides the fact that your supervisor came told you to come and get trained um i think why people get involved in this is because they do want to have an impact on their community and make a difference so that's a, of something that we all share when we're working in criminal justice. And, you know, so I'm hopeful that we're, we're moving in that direction. Yeah. I mean, one thing I've observed in working on criminal justice for a while, and I said that, you know, not a lot of people cared because it didn't affect them. And, you know, there's some truth to that in the way we've concentrated a lot of problems into a few communities and gateway cities mm-hmm. are, are dealing with more than their share. In some ways, gateway city leaders respond to that by not wanting to talk about it mm-hmm. because they have to deal with so m- much negativity. Um, so they're, they're not going to put up front and center criminal justice reform and the fact that we disproportionately serve people who are coming out of prisons. It's not something they want to right. advertise. But some gateway city leaders really have owned that and risen mm-hmm. to the occasion. And uh, I think you told me about Mayor Di Natale in yeah. Fitchburg and the work that he's done around your community mm-hmm. correction center up there, which has been a really high-performing one. Yeah, so in Worcester County, we partner with Sheriff Evangelitis. So... Our organization has a, what's known as an interdepartmental service agreement with them. They operate a community correction center in Fitchburg and in Worcester, in the city of Worcester. But especially in Fitchburg, um, they often have these, what we like to call recognition ceremonies. Sometimes people talk about them as graduation ceremonies, but I, I, I want to be mindful of the fact that, you know, when someone moves on, like they're still in recovering from the things that they're dealing with and there's no, you know, to say it's a graduation, it's really kind of just the beginning of their kind of journey. Um, but Mayor Di Natale is, with thank, thankfully, um, Sheriff uh, Evangelitis and Mayor Di Natale have a, a really excellent relationship. And Mayor Di Natale is usually at those events along with the police chief. And I've seen, you know, just an anecdotal story I've seen at, and uh, uh, First Justice Lacanto is also a, a really important part of that, that collaboration. And at one time when we had a recognition ceremony that was at the courthouse, we literally saw a uh, a person that had that was making a transition out of the community correction center program stand up and and say that he felt he, he you know he was born and raised in Fitchburg and then he had traveled like all over the country and he was you know in the throes of opioid addis- addiction and, and really struggling and to be welcomed back to the community by the mayor of the city um, was really something that was emotional for him and and he felt like he was back home again and that his home was no longer kind of the place where he did all these terrible things and hurt all these people because literally the mayor was was in the room saying welcome home and, and good luck to, to everybody that's you know committed to changing their lives so 
so yes, there are uh, people that we've been fortunate to work with that that really embrace the idea that they can make a difference and they should be part of because you know the criminal justice system isn't really glamorous. You only hear about it, you know, when something bad, terrible happens. Um, so I really appreciate the commitment of people like uh, Mayor Di Natale and, and Sheriff Evangelitis and Judge Lacanto who are willing to, you know, commit their time in these types of public ways to say. We care about the uh, making a difference with these people because ultimately this is going to make our community safer and, and, and restore families and restore that community. That's great. And, you know, that really is Gateway Cities at their best and the reason why I love working for Gateway Cities. Mm-hmm. So the, I wanted you to come in this week in particular, though, because some provisions passed in the budget that we hope to generate some excitement, excitement mm-hmm. around. And they allow your centers or explicitly instruct your centers to try and provide more supportive services to people who are re-entering without mm-hmm. any sort of supervision. So they're not required to go see you, but if they right. want help, they can come to you and find good support. And it's something we, you know, in our criminal justice work heard over and over again was that people who were leaving prison didn't know where to turn to mm-hmm. for help. And, you know, often they were let out the door with a bus ticket mm-hmm. uh, and had, had nowhere to go to, nobody to turn to. And so na- now... We've got community correction centers that can provide real supportive services to them if, mm-hmm. if they want to uh, to take those up. So do you want to just yeah. talk a little bit about? Yeah, sure. So um, in the FY20 budget, in our appropriation, there's a sentence there at the end, which is really vital because it basically says the Office of Community Corrections can re- develop now these reentry services programs so that people, regardless of whether they're on probation or parole, as long as they're returning to the community after a period of incarceration, can access the community corrections for services. I'm sorry, the community correction centers for services. Um, and so that I think is a, a new kind of, I talk about these these different mechanisms to get to the center as pathways. Sometimes I describe it that way. So it's another pathway now that brings it to a total of six different ways now that people can, people that are involved in the criminal justice system can get into the center to get to get resources, to get treatment interventions. Um, and so I've been working, talking with a number of different people, for example, with the Mass Community Action Network, Lou Finfer, somebody that we've talked with a lot about how we can shape some of this programming because his organization has been one of the prime movers in this area for, for a long time, I believe. And so what will people be able to access when they come to the community correction centers? I think they'll be, you know, we have, depending on the, the circumstances for a particular individual, we have at all the community correction centers, we're delivering kind of behavioral therapy to try to uh, address substance use disorder and or decision-making for people that maybe don't have the kind of skill set to really succeed. Um, we also have educational services. So if someone needs to work on a uh, high school equivalency credential like the GED or the set, or if they want to get into community college, we can help with that. Um, and then we also have um, job development services, or, or I like to talk about them more as like career career specialists or career counseling, um, because we don't want people necessarily to just get a job for the sake of putting money in their pocket. Um, that's a vitally important thing. We all need that to survive. But I think it's important to focus on how we can help them develop a career opportunity so that it's not just, okay, I work in uh, kind of a, you know, a, a more of a transient type job. And um, so in any event, um, those services, we hope, beginning very shortly, we hope to be able to make those more readily available with for, for people that are returning to the community. Um, we have some experience doing this because over the last number of years, we've worked with the Suffolk County Sheriff's Department so that when people are being released and they have probation supervision post-release, the Sheriff's Department is actually uh, 
it's not a far uh, transport, but they're actually transporting them to the community correction center, so they'll be released at the community correction center. So that I kind of describe that as like their first contact with the community again when they reenter is 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 meeting with somebody at the community correction center to say, hey, is there anything we can help you with? You know, as you um, go forward, and then also help them make sure that they make their appointment with their probation officer. Um, the other thing we've started to talk with the Department of Correction about the potential of piloting this this concept where and we're going to be going to Sousa Baranowski um, prison in a, in a few weeks to talk with people that are going to be re- released over the next six months or so to say if you want to be released let's say in Brockton where we have a community correction center the DOC will transport you from the Sousa Baranowski to Brockton will release you there and then you can meet with the staff upon your release um, to talk about, you know, is there anything that you need? Do you need an ID? Do you need sure, sure. Help, help with job placement or anything like that? So those are some of the ways that we're thinking about doing that. And then, obviously, we're also really interested in, in doing things like mentoring. There's a group, another group in Brockton that's talking about that, and we're working with them to try to figure out how peer mentors can really help do some of this reentry work as well. Well, let's talk about that for a minute, because I, I think one of the things we want to try and unpack with you here is, you know, how can communities engage and work with you? Okay. So this group in Brockton, do you want to just tell us about them? And did they, yeah. did they come to you? Did you go to them? How's that? Yeah. So I've, I've been involved with it through a couple of meetings and really um, through contact with the Judge Kelly in uh, Brockton Superior Court and then Professor Ramirez, who's from Northeastern University. And I was invited to a, a meeting that they have. Their movement, they refer to it as Justice Navigators. Um, and I think what we're trying to do right now in the short run is is develop a kind of a curriculum, if you will, so that if people want to volunteer to mentor um, people that are returning to the community from a period of incarceration, they can actually get some training around what being a, a good, effective, a functional men- mentor, uh, a coach of somebody really is. You know, what are the appropriate boundaries that you need to observe? How can you help somebody without kind of stepping over that and then becoming, you know, too close and and, and leaving them with no skills of their own to really um, engage in the community. So that's still kind of, I mean, I've been working with them a little bit, and I think we're pursuing some, some grant funds in order to try to flesh that out a little bit. Sure. Um, but I'm excited to, to work with them on that project as well. And I think that's a good example of, you know, people trying to engage you and work together as, mm-hmm. as, a, as a partnership. Um, you know, I, I also understand as, as, as you know, much as, Mayor Di Natale gives the example of a welcoming, mm-hmm. supportive municipal partner that sometimes it can be hard mm-hmm. to, to place community correction centers yeah. and, and get them open and running in places where uh, those who need the services can e- easily access them. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we've been fortunate that in, if, if you go back, uh, what is it, you know, 13, 14 years, we had at one t- point we peaked at 27. We had 27 sites across the state. Then, obviously, the financial crisis hit, and we had to scale back dramatically to the point, you know, I started as the director in 2016, and even at that point, we were struggling to kind of maintain where we were. You know, we we got down to as low as 15 sites. But now, you know, thanks to the alliances we've built and and actually proving and demonstrating that we're committed to being effective and and doing all these innovative approaches that are evidence-based and and trying to show our success, we've been fortunate that I think – People have now uh, have faith that we can um, expand the services that we're doing in a way that's responsible and and, and try to uh, engage more people in the community. So we have expanded to a number of sites in Middlesex County. And, you know, when we we work usually with through community-based vendors. So, for example, uh, in Middlesex County, we're working with the old Colony Y at one spot. 
and then also with Bay State Community Services as another location. So we have heard from them that when they go into the community to talk about what they're doing, sometimes the landlord doesn't like the idea that there might be people that are involved in the criminal justice system um, as part of the business that they want to lease to. So that can be understandable. Some communities, you know, it might not be the appropriate place, but I think it's important that everyone's mindful of the fact that the people that we're working with live in the communities that we're going to be in. And so we're only, we're, we're, the whole, I mean, the idea of community corrections is put the resources in the community where the people that need them can get them rather than have the resources be in some building, you know, that's out in the woods somewhere, you know, like a, like a prison or something like that. Um, so I'm hopeful that the more we do things, the more we succeed. I think Fitchburg is a great example because the police chief in Fitchburg um, has talked about if you go back to like the year 2000 when they first started setting up that that site, the neighborhood that they went to, which was, uh, you know, was suffering a lot of poverty. Um, the neighborhood that they originally sent up there with the sheriff's department kind of like pushed back against them being there. Um, so they were located in that site for probably 12 or 13 years or maybe even more than that, maybe 15 years. And then recently they they kind of outgrew that location, so they moved to a, a place closer to the district court. And when they went to relocate the building, the neighborhood was like, why are you leaving? And, and you know, the police chief will talk about how them being kind of an anchor for that neighborhood really kind of supported more more growth in that neighborhood. It's not to say that, you know, I don't want to overblow the, the, no, no, the story no. about that, but... Uh, yeah, no, I think but that's, it, but that's it's, you know, the point we want to get at. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know being open-minded and being, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, I think the main point takeaway from this episode is if we're going to do criminal justice reform and it's going to mean less people going to prison, ultimately it has to be m- more resources in the community. We can't just Absolutely. divest from prisons, let everybody out, and right. hope for the best. It's not going to be a positive outcome right. for our Gateway City neighborhood. So, you know, how do we invest in community-based systems We've got a great opportunity through the, the, the work and the leadership that, that you've done in probation. I think the legislature recognized that in the budget this week, and I hope our, our listeners will appreciate that opportunity and reach out and, and work with you and your team. Well, well thank you. I, I appreciate that, and I'm thankful to you and uh, for, you know, engaging us. I mean, for many – I mean, I've worked in the Office of Community Corrections for many years, and for whatever reason, for many years, we kind of, like, worked under the radar, and that's fine. You know, that's useful, but – it's not about us, you know, getting accolades or whatever, but it is about people understanding that their government is trying to work to help people um, make better outcomes in the future. And so that's what I'm hopeful that we're able to do, and I'm, I'm thankful to be a part of that. Well, thank you, Vin. We really appreciate your service and your taking the time to, to come in and share with us. Thanks. It's been good to be here. This episode of Gateways was produced by Libby Gormley. Music by the Curtis Mayflower, Worcester Zone. Thank you to our sponsors, Mass Mutual, Trinity Financial, Eastern Bank, the Barr Foundation, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts, and Enterprise Bank. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.